Good morning. Everybody hear me? I have a nod from Jesse. That does. That's enough. Um, that was so good. Let me let me pray. If that's okay. So whether you're whether you're watching this live, whether you're up on the sofa with your family, whether you're watching it alone right now or later on, whether you're eating your breakfast, um, I would just love to pray. I just loved how how the guys have led us in worship and there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain and um, and so I would just love us to pray something along those lines. Father, um, thank you for these words. Thank you that even even some of what we sang this morning, God, we're joining with we're joining in with something so much bigger than us and so much bigger than now. We join in with that eternal song that you are worthy, Jesus. And so I pray wherever we are finding ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, Holy Spirit, the things that feel truly feel like they are a chain that binds I pray that in your goodness, in your kindness, that you would break in, that you would break through. Jesus, I thank you for the power that's in your name. Jesus, I thank you that when everything else is uncertain, when everything else is difficult, I thank you for Emmanuel. I thank you, Jesus, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And I pray that that would be our experience right now, whatever, wherever we are, whatever time of the day it is, whoever that we are with, that we would know Emmanuel, go with us. There's power in your name, Jesus, to break every chain. So I pray that you would come uh, as we as we open up your word. Would you continue to challenge us? Would you continue to allow us to be a community that... Um, that asks really good questions and in this journey together that we work out what it is that you're asking of us. What does love require of me? What does love require of us? So we pray that you would be that you continue to be so near to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, great to be um Great to have this opportunity to to be on your screen, whether it's your phone, or your TV, or whatever it is, your tablet. Um, it's a real privilege to to have this opportunity to share with you. Um, yeah, I like just as it feels like another one of those mornings. I don't have them every morning. I don't think it's based on who's necessarily leading. I think it's maybe just the, the sort of week that you've had, maybe that you just whenever you're here and uh, worship. By those that are part of your church family it makes you just crave that um just that chance to be together to worship collectively again and uh, just have that feeling again this morning and uh yeah so thanks to neville and to uh, jesse to david and jenna and the team for leading us and, and once again thank you so much to andrew for all that you do all that he is doing behind the scenes to to make this possible um so let's uh, let's let's go. Um, there is a, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to have your Bible handy. 
And um, there's a few places that I'd love to go to this morning, and uh, not just going to camp out in one place. Um, love it to go on a bit of a a whistle stop tour through some of um, Paul's letters. We'll uh, we'll see some things of what Jesus has to say in John 15, and Matthew 22. Um, we'd love to take a take us through some of what Paul has to say this morning as well. Last week was. Last week was Valentine's Day, and um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure, like many of you, you were reading or caught a glimpse, or somebody had shared something around First Corinthians chapter thirteen, this uh, beautiful chapter on on love. Um, often shared at, at weddings, and and so I don't want to dismiss the fact that it's shared at weddings, but it's it's so much more than mere sentimental romantic love this first corinthians 13 it is it is like in the trenches sacrificial other centered love but that's not what i'm not i don't want to read through that all this morning for the sake of time but as you know i think we've we've, we've said often enough and i think many of you will be aware of it that we don't have it wasn't until years later paul didn't have chapter divisions as he wrote this letter to um, the Corinthian church and so just before he just before we have these incredible words in first Corinthians chapter 13 Paul uh, is presenting to the church the gifts all the gifts that are available to the church and uh, and what wonderful gifts they are of, of prophecy of stuff things of the supernatural Paul is saying like this is available to us this is available to the church so eagerly, eagerly desire them. Eagerly desire all of the gifts. And then Paul says, sometimes I forget this. I it always depends what sometimes what you're talking about or the room that you're in. We talk about eagerly desiring the gifts. But for now, they're for us today, which I believe. But often we forget what Paul says after that. But I am going to show you a more excellent way. I'm going to show you the better way. So eagerly desire all of these gifts, eagerly desire all that's available, but I'm going to show you the most excellent way. I'm going to show you something even better. Gifts are really good. They're really important, but the way of love is so much better. There's another version of the end of 1 Corinthians 12 that says, some of you keep competing for the so-called important parts, but now I want to lay out a better, I want to lay out a far better way for you. And I suppose that's something of what I would love to uh, to open up th- today. I am hoping, this is probably one of those Sundays, and I'm hoping what I share this morning provokes more questions than it does provide answers. I think that is the joy of being part of a community that is on this journey of pursuing the ways of Jesus. That what we communicate to one another would provoke questions, would provoke thoughts and challenges that we would be able then to work out together as a family. And so as we we finished off last Sunday morning with just taking a taking a couple of minutes, we were we spent a bit of time in John 15. And and as we brought our time to a close, I wanted to bring out uh, John 15, verse 12, to close our time out last week, but almost as a introduction to this week and jesus in this this farewell discourse this this favorite part of of 
the Bible for me, I think John uh, 15, 16, and 17, the farewell discourse of Jesus as it's otherwise known. And in John 15, verse 12, he says that love gives us this the command, this challenge to the disciples and to those of us that will ultimately follow the same path that they followed. Love as I have loved you. And so what I'm wanting to suggest this morning, what I'm wanting us to consider is that the way of love replaces the way of law. And I'm hoping something of what I share this morning will, will, will challenge. I'm hoping something of what we, what we read, because it's, it's what's happened to me over the last number of months, like discovering parts of the Bible that we can so often just, just like go past really quickly in order to fulfill our tick box exercise for the day. And I, and I'm not, and I'm not meaning to be overly harsh there, but that is my experience. Sometimes I read through a chapter, read through in order to tick the box for that, the day. Um, everything for me, everything, uh, religion was prioritizing. Jesus seems to be saying that he is now replacing. And our Wednesday, in our Wednesday nights, as we've looking through the, the first letter of first letter Peter wrote to the scattered communities around Asia Minor. Um, Peter's really Peter's really going after this. Like everything that religion prioritized, Jesus was now replacing. And Peter's Peter's pointing that out. The Torah, Jesus is coming and he's almost terminating the Torah, as Brooksy Cavey says. He's he's a uh, he's terminating Torah. He's uh, He's changing the whole thing around the temple. Um, he's almost replacing the temple because he was its fulfillment. And that's the point. Jesus was its fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of the Torah. He was the fulfillment of the temple. And in the words of the first century Jews, in the words of the first century religious leaders, this was utter, utter blasphemy, what Jesus was saying. And it's ultimately what cost him his life. It's ultimately why he was in such a battle with the religious leaders the whole way through his ministry. It was because in their ears, what he was saying was utter blasphemy. Because he was saying he was replacing the old covenant. He was making the old covenant obsolete, as the writer of, to, of the Hebrews tells us. Matthew 22. Again, um, some of us will be familiar with this. these parts of uh, the New Testament, where um, Jesus is again in this discussion, in this debate with the Sadducees, and the Sadducees have tried to trip him up, and they failed, and so the Pharisees have a crack. And the Pharisees come in order to test him and say, Teacher, what is the most important command? And Jesus says, It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor uh, as yourself. In between, he says, the second is like it. And I think it's important for us to know that whenever Jesus is saying the second is like it, he is saying it is like it. The second is like it in terms of magnitude and in terms of significance. The second commandment is not in terms of sequence. It's like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And this second one is just as important. It's just like it. Because I think what Jesus continually makes clear for us 
is that love for God was demonstrated best by loving your neighbor. And so if you we, if we were to ask a first century Jew what it looked like to love God, they would say to obey this list of commands. That's, that's what their understanding was. That's what they give their lives to. If you want to love God, you need to obey, tick all the boxes of all of this, these list of commands. And so now Jesus comes and suggests a new answer to that question. What does it look like to love God? Jesus says it's to love your neighbor. And they, the religious leaders could not get their heads around this because ultimately Jesus was replacing the way of law with the way of love. I'm trusting, hoping that you're following me here. Luke 10, again, it's the, we, I'd love to spend more time in this. We've done it before, uh, but it's, I think it's always worth so much attention to be given to Luke 10 when uh, the story of the Good Samaritan and uh, how the neighbor to the religious leaders. So whenever, again, whenever this uh, teacher stood up and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And starts this back and forth, Jesus asking him questions to see if he can get the right, to lead him in the right place. And, uh, and so the, the man says, the teacher says, it's like to love your neighbor as yourself. The problem was that for the religious leaders of the day, their neighbor was those within their own tribe. This idea of loving your neighbor, those outside of your own tribe, those outside the descendants of Abraham, those outside those that thought like you, looked like you, acted like you, was, was nowhere near their radar. And so when Jesus makes the hero of the story a Samaritan, it, it again, it continues to ruffle feathers. There is no way that he can be setting up the Samaritan as our neighbor and not only setting them up as our neighbor, but setting them up as the hero of this story. They just could not get their head around what Jesus was doing. And if we were, if you were to take some time and read through Matthew 23, it, it's like, this is, this is tough stuff to read because the two, I think, as I was reflecting this over the last couple of days, this seems to me where the two, these two ways clash. The way of love and the way of law, I think we see how it clashes in Matthew chapter 23. And again, we're not going to have time to go through it all. But I think we here have the, 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 the way of love, the Jesus way, in opposition to the religious way or the way of law. And Jesus is saying to the religious people, he says, you are tying up heavy loads and then you're, burden, you're putting it on people's shoulders. You're burdening them with all of your rules and all of your laws. And he goes even further, and even if that is the way you think it should be done, you are doing nothing to help them. You're not even lifting a finger in order to help them carry the load. You're not lifting a finger to help, Jesus says. And he goes on, he goes on and on throughout this letter. And you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus. Like, I'm not saying calm down, but like, Jesus, woe to you, you hypocrites. He keeps going. He's not letting this go. He's, he's no longer... Like he's just, he's really going after this because these two ways, like Jesus wants to make sure that the way of love is going to be elevated and that people are in no doubt about it. He continues in this tense exchange. Can I, I can't imagine, can barely imagine how tense this exchange was when Jesus is really going after them. Woe to you, you hypocrites. You have, your way of law 
all it's done is heaped up all of this burdens and laid it on people. And you've done nothing to help them carry it. And so the way of Jesus, we see we would see in Matthew 11, is a come to me, all you who are weary and carrying all of these heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The way of love will give you rest. I'm going to share this load because it's too heavy for you to carry on your own. In fact, you can't do it. So come to me, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your weary soul. And so he calls them hypocrites. And, and I think over the next couple of weeks, really looking forward, Puma's sharing with us next Sunday. And then the week after that, I think I'd love to spend a, a bit of time looking at some of what John says in his first letter. Um, first John is, like I think John just spends his whole time going after this stuff that we're talking about this morning. And he says, John says in, first, uh, in, in 4 verse 20, I think it is that, don't try to say that you that you love, if you cannot say that you love your neighbor that you can see, don't try to say that you love God whom you can't see. And so I think that, that that is the very that is the epitome, I think, of hypocrisy. To celebrate God's love for me, but withhold it from the person that is sitting next to me. You can't love those. If you can't love those, you can say, don't even try to say that you love God who you can't. And I think that's why Jesus is going after this. He's, he's calling them hypocrites because the very essence, the height of hypocrisy is when you celebrate God's love for you, but withhold it from the person that is sitting next to you. And so Jesus' new command I think I touched on this maybe on Wednesday. We maybe alluded to it last Sunday morning. But Jesus' new command that he gives in Matthew 22 and then actually probably exaggerates it even further in John 15. His new command was not an additional one to the to an existing list. So the new commandment. So whenever the, 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 whenever the teachers were coming and saying, what is the most important command? On this list, what is most important? Jesus is actually doing away with the list it's not he's not adding to it he is replacing it he's not adding to an existing list the new commandment of jesus is replacing everything in the existing list and maybe this will surprise you because it did me but he's replacing everything in the existing list including the big ten the ten commandments he's replacing everything including the Ten Commandments, and so follow me with some. Follow me with some of these verses. Look, uh, Romans, sorry, Paul, uh, writing here, Romans chapter thirteen, verses eight to ten, with this idea that Jesus is replacing the way of law with the way of love. His new commandment, this new commandment, the way of love, is replacing everything in the existing list, and so that no debt remain outstanding, Paul says, except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And again, I'm not of, don't have time to go, to go into all of this verse by verse. And that's why I'm hoping it provokes questions. What does this mean? The one who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So then he goes on to talk about the big ten, the commandments. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. 
And whatever other commandment there may be, they're all summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It has replaced the way of love, the way of Jesus, the new way of the spirit has replaced. It has fulfilled the law. Like I was stunned by it because sometimes I think we can we can jump on this as a as a as a good as a good idea as a progressive idea or something like that. But here it is, Paul is, seems to be writing this clearly for us, and he continues. I again I find this so challenging, so interesting. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six, continuing to think about the, the this the old covenant the old laws this existing list that jesus comes to replace um verse 6 of second corinthians 3 he made us competent as ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills that's really strong language the letter the way of the law it kills but the spirit gives life and so here, what is, what is Paul then going to say about the Ten Commandments? What is he going to say about that which was engraved in stone, which he does in verse 7? Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters and stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, the new way, this like the, the way of love that Jesus came to bring will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious i find it so interesting the letter kills the spirit gives life what does paul refer to the, the ten commandments as he refers to it as the ministry of death and i don't think there's anywhere that paul says that, it, that it's not that it wasn't important but he's trying to show that it's now it's served its purpose and verse seven it, there's a there's a there's a version of things the updated version of the niv uses the word transitory. So in verse seven, when it says, because of its glory, fading though it was, there's a the translation that, that I have in my phone says transitory though it was. Transitory simply means not permanent. Fading, the, the, Greek, the Greek word for fading is to be put out of use. It means to make completely inoperative. Like really interesting I, and maybe some of you have been there before but the last number of months just like just like really wrestling through some of this how clear it seems to be that paul is reminding us he's building on what jesus has already done that the way of love is replacing the way of law and i think it's important and i don't want to just be i don't want you to feel like i'm pulling verses randomly to try and suit what i want to say because for the early church Abandoning the way of law for the way of love was a central theme and it was a constant battle. And so I think it's important that we hear that because it's really easy. And I and I can be guilty of that and I would want to be I would want to be held to account for that. It's really easy to, to get an idea of something that you want to say and then go looking for the scriptures to, to, to make it say what you want it to say. And so I think it's important for us to hear that this was a this was an ongoing. This was a central theme, and it was the, the battle over this was constant. And so if you go back to Romans 7, 
Romans 7 verses 4 to 6. Listen to this. So my brothers, Paul says, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to one another. I love that. The way of love. This is what the way of love looks like. The way of love looks like we've been, we've, we've died to the old covenant through the way, through the body of Christ that we might belong to one another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law. So it's, only like the, it's not that the law was not important, but this is what the law did. It aroused sinful passions, which were at work in our body so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. And I think those, there's another place that Paul is reminding us of this constant battle and this central theme that he's saying that we are no longer bound to the old way of the written code. We now serve in the new way of the spirit. Seems to me pretty clear that Paul, on the back of all that Jesus revealed, in the back of what Jesus taught, that this way of love, this new way of the spirit has replaced the old written code, the way of law. And again, we could keep going here. For the sake of time, give me a few more minutes. Because Galatians, we could, like, honestly, it's been weeks in Galatians. Because that's pretty much what the whole letter is about. It's, it's about this battle. This battle of abandoning the way of law for the way of love. And so if you read through it, I'll point out a few places that you can go to and see this for yourself. Paul says, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, those who are relying on the law are under a curse because no one is justified by the law. Like that, even that language, it just shows you how, how much of a battle this was much of a battle that Paul was taking on to make sure the church got this, that they were no longer being bound to the way of law. Because Paul is there, he goes on and he makes his point logically. He's saying, if you're in, in uh, Galatians 5 verse 3, I'd encourage you to go there. Galatians 5 verse 3, Paul is saying, if you're going to go this way, if you're, going to, if you're now convinced that to, in order to obey God, you need to be circumcised, then you better just do you better just obey the whole law. It's Paul is suggesting, I think, that it's an all or nothing type of thing. If you're going to go down the road of saying, well, maybe I don't need to obey at all, but I'll but I'm still going to I still think to love God and need to be circumcised. Paul saying, if that's your mindset, then you're going to have to obey the whole thing. It's all or nothing. And in Galatians 5, verse 18, he says. Again, reminding of this point, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And for me, this is important because I think that we so often mix and match Old Covenant with New Covenant. Sometimes we're so, we can be so confused, we can trip ourselves up. Our messaging can be really unclear to those that are not of faith. In Jesus, we can, our messaging can be so unclear because we're mixing the old with the new. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And again, I don't want to say that the law was not did not have a purpose 
So the way of law is harm prevention. The way of law does keep us safer in many ways, but the way of law, but laws do not make us loving. Love, it's this, going back to those verses in 1 Corinthians 13, it is so other-centered. It is responding to the needs and the desires of others with no rules in sight. Again, stick with me here, please. Law, I know because time's flying on, law cultivates uh, what can I get away with mentality. And I and I see that because sometimes like me and Judith would be in the in the car, over lockdown, you're hardly out in the car at all. You can't even get on the motorway to drive that fast. But I was reflecting on this, um, I was reflecting on this during the week. That the, the law it does it does give a what can I get away with mentality, and it lacks the power to change our inner orientation, our inner desires, our inner thoughts. So whenever we're on the the motorway, I drive at a speed at what I can get away with. So I know the speed limit's seventy, but I'll sneak over that because it because I'll get in the conversation then with Judith. She can't remind me of what speed I'm going. I know what speed I'm going. She'll remind me of what speed I'm going, but I'll tell her, but we can get away with this. Like I'll not be pulled over. I'll not face the consequences of this because I'm just, I'm just all right. I just, I'm doing this to get away with. I think we can do it in the house. Like I think sometimes we maybe, maybe for some of us that uh, live with people, we have, we sit down, we go through a contract, we go through a set of rules, we lay down all the chores. You're responsible for this and I'll be responsible for that. The problem with that is that then we just do what we can get away with. We just do the bare minimum. And so if we see the floor needs hoovered or we see the ironing needs done, well, we're not doing that because I've already done the things that I have agreed to. I've I've done my share, I've done my part. And I'm sure you can come up with better examples, but I'm not asking what 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 about the way of love? So whenever I'm out on the, on the road, am I only considering my speed in terms of what I can get away with? I think a, a better way, the way of love would say, how can I love and protect my fellow drivers that are on the road with me? Whenever stuff needs done around the house, the way of law or look at going by the rules would say, I'll do what is required of me. I'll follow the way of law. But the way of love would suggest this needs done. And, I, and because I'm other, because the way of love is other-centered, it's given attention to the needs of others. I'll respond to that with no rules in sight. Hebrews seven verse eighteen: the former regulations have been set aside. Listen to what listen to what the Bible says about another part of the Bible: former regulations, the way of law, essentially has been set aside because it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope has been introduced by which we draw near to god a better hope and again going through the letter to the hebrews it would be well worth our time because over and over again the writer of the hebrews is saying this the old way has been replaced by this new way, the way of Jesus. It's a better sacrifice. It's a better covenant. It's a better blood. It's it's better. It's a better hope. 
and this hope has been introduced by which we draw near to God. The way of law will never get us there. We cannot, no one can be justified by the law. The law will not get us drawn close to God, but the way of Jesus, the new way of the Spirit, that has been introduced and in, by which we draw near to God. And so in closing, the way of love is so much simpler than the way of law, but it is so much more demanding. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And so Jesus does condense it. He makes it really simple, but so much more demanding. See, the way of love, actually, the way of love aims the bar too low. It aims it way too low. Jesus is, is coming and saying, love just as I have loved you. Joanne pointed out this version in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning around the table. Forgive just as I have forgiven you. Again, Paul writing, um, Paul writing to the Philippians, he reminds us, I'm paraphrasing here, but put others first just as I have put you first. See, the way of law, the way of law is, is a bar that is set too low. And so it may be much, much more simpler, the way of love, but it is so much more demanding. And that's the only thing that counts. Galatians 5, verse 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's the only thing that counts. Paul concludes this battle, this, the, this theme, the constant battle that he has engaged with, especially with the Galatians he concludes the only thing that matters here is that faith is expressing itself through love. And so I am, I am hoping that some of this provokes conversation that we work this out together. The way of Jesus is one that we belong to one another, as Paul said to the Romans. And so if we belong to one another, we're, we're working this out together. The way of love is demanding the, that we give ourselves to one another as we are fashioned in his likeness. So Father, I pray that you would, wherever again, wherever we find ourselves, wherever we are physically, emotionally, spiritually, God, would you just bring light and you bring hope and uh, we pray that we would hear from you afresh this morning. God, I pray that anything that what I've said that is of you would stick and would stick really well. God, anything that is just my opinion or my bias, God, I pray that it, uh, that it would not even be remembered. Um, yeah, God, so I just pray that you, would, that you would help us, you continue to teach us. Jesus, I pray that above everything else, that we would be a people that would make much of Jesus, that we would live the lives that, that show, not just by what we say, but by what we do, that you're worthy of it all. Um, so thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining with us. Thank you for being a part of our time together today. Uh, and if there's anything that you can engage, be engaging with us over the week, um, please do be involved. If there's any way that we can help you, love you, support you, please, please do let us know, as Neville has already said. But enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you get out, get a good walk and all of that. Um, but bless you so much. We'll talk again soon. Bye.